You know, my topic is Beyond Limits, and we're using this book, The Untethered Soul, by uh, Michael Singer. And this particular week, we're talking about the idea of the limitations that we all carry along with us. And, and I think we're going to get to that beautiful picture of Avalon. But before we talk about going beyond our limits, maybe we need to know what our limits are right now so that we can go beyond them. Um, and of course, you know me, I actually found a joke, I think, on limits that is perfectly suitable today, so we'll give it a try. Reaching the end of a job interview, the human resources person asked a young engineer fresh out of MIT, and what limits or expectations do you have around your salary in this job? The engineer said, well, in the neighborhood of, you know, 150000 175000 a year, depending on the benefits package. Well, the interviewer kind of paused for a minute there and said, well, hmm, what would you say to a benefit package of five weeks vacation, 14 paid holidays, full medical and dental, company matching retirement funds, stock options, an employee stock ownership plan, and what if we threw in a company car leased every two years in your name? Well, the engineer stood straight up and said, wow, are you joking? The interviewer smiled and said, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you started it. <laughs> so I think our lives always have these ideas of, of limits, these ideas of safety zones, right? Uh, but what I want to suggest is much in the way of this joke, many of these limits that are imposed on our lives are negotiable. So today we're going to be talking about the salary versus the benefit package in life, if you will. Because I do think that a lot of these things that we think are fixed, a lot of these limitations that we put on our own lives that we think it, this is just the way it is, I think are up for negotiation. So we're going to talk about that today. And I thought I would start out by talking about something that is um, probably familiar to everybody, and that is some of our physical limitations. And, and by way of introducing this subject, I w did a little research on long-distance runners. My, my stepfather, actually, when he was in college, was a long-distance runner. And I remember him, it was funny, because he would always watch uh, uh, marathons and things like that on TV, which sounded terribly boring to me, watching people run on TV. But he said, if you really look at this, this is interesting because at, over the last 50 years, we are now at a position that 50 years ago, people would have never dreamed we could cover 26 miles in that amount of time. And he said, I, you know, this is curious to me because physically we're about the same. I mean, maybe as, as, a, as a human race, maybe in 50 years we've grown, I don't know, an eighth of an inch on average or something like that. But fundamentally, we're still the same people we were 50 years ago. And yet 50 years ago, if you said, oh yeah, I can do the marathon in, you know, whatever the current world records are, they would say, yeah, right. So what is this? Um, the research I did suggests two things. Now, part of it, as you can imagine, is training, right? We, we need to know how to run, and by studying some of the biochemical things going on in our bodies and motion studies, believe it or not, people are trained to run slightly different now than they were 50 years ago for something like a marathon. But I ran across this article, too, which I think is so interesting. Uh, the title of it is, You're Not Really Tired, It's All in Your Head. A new theory of fatigue has been advanced recently that places at least part of the blame on your brain. 
This theory is called the central governor model, and it suggests that your brain subconsciously doles out energy to your exercising muscles with the goal of preserving your state of homeostasis. And it goes on talking about cortisol levels and all kinds of, uh, you know, biochemical, but, but what the basis of this is, is that our bodies have vast reserves of energy and subconsciously when we're doing something like long distance running, our bodies are told that they are tired, our bodies are told that they are fatigued, even though literally they are not. And it goes on to talk about uh, the ability of a runner to not only continue a quality pace, but to actually increase their pace in the final stages of a race, that it would be entirely impossible if our bodies were really fatigued. And this is a very, a very common kind of thing. They'll talk about a runner going up against a wall and then seemingly getting more energy, perhaps, especially on a long race, hitting another wall about two-thirds of the way through, but actually at the end of the race being able to speed up. You know, this has nothing whatsoever to do with the chemical nature of our muscles. It is our mind wanting to preserve this sense of homeostasis, wanting to protect us, wanting to dole out the energy so that maybe in case we had to run all day, we'd be able to do that. This is really interesting, and I think it, it gives us this idea on a very physical level of what our comfort zone is. You can imagine if, if I was a runner and this platform was sort of my, the, the metaphor for my comfort zone, when I started reaching um, you know, a speed or an endurance level of which I'd maybe only come up to a couple times before, my body would be giving me all these signals, and I say my body, but really, it's the mind releasing a lot of these neurochemicals that tell my body, oh, you're up against your wall, you're in your comfort zone, and right up to the edge. And what I think all of us know about being on the edge of our comfort zone is it isn't comfortable anymore, right? <laughs> our bodies and our minds will do almost whatever's necessary for us to take ah, a step back or two. And of course, that's what they observe with athletes. After you know two-thirds of a marathon, the athlete is wanting to pull back a little. It's getting all those messages about being right up against the edge of the comfort zone, that bleeding edge that they call it, and no one wants to bleed. <laughs> no one wants to be in that position of being uncomfortable. Now, here's what's interesting, I think. Of course, we're in a, a, a church, a center that's teaching science of mind principles. Do you know what they're teaching athletes nowadays? And it has very little, well, of course, they're, they're teaching them the proper methods of training and, and how to run properly. But as much of it anymore is also the psychology of running. And what they're teaching athletes is when they come up to the edge of their comfort, rather than um, like kind of dwelling and thinking about what's going on, oh my God, my heart is racing, oh my God, you know, my breaths are labored. It's like, no, don't think about that at all. It's picture yourself breezing through the finish line. Picture your feet light. Picture your heart soaring. Picture whatever your body is doing as, as part of the machinery that is delivering you into what you want. It's like, don't dwell here. They, they want to take you back from the safety zone into completely uncharted territories. 
They want you, they suggest that you bypass this edge altogether. And I think this is interesting, too, when we look beyond the physical body. Now, a lot of us also would say that we probably have emotional limits. In addition to our physical limits, don't we have emotional limits? And, and if you've talked to anyone who has lost a, a loved one recently, you'll hear things like, I don't know that I can bear this. You know, I lost my own mom. She passed away a couple years ago. And I remember so vividly. I mean, there still is a little bit of me, I think, that's missing. But I remember when it first happened, it really seemed like something that could not be endured. And I can only imagine the loss of a spouse or a child or something like that. Truly, there are things that seem unbearable from an emotional standpoint. And yet, I put to you that we have once again the same safety zone of what we think is okay to experience, what we're willing to experience. And I want to share um, another hypothesis with you, because I think it not only works on the side of negative emotions, we come up to that wall and it's like, I can't take one more thing. The studies suggest that we do it with positive emotions as well. And that we have our comfort zone even for things like joy and happiness and having a good time. And that when we get out of that comfort zone, have, in fact, I want to try this one out on you. Have you ever had a time in your life when you thought things were going too well? I think we all have, haven't we? When we almost went like, well, what's going on here? It's like, you know, the telephone call from my, my great aunt was actually pleasant this time. And, and there were only checks that came in the mail today, right? And I went out to this restaurant that I've had bad service at before, and everything went really great. And at the end of the day, you go, my God, am I living my life or someone else's? And what the studies suggest is that if you have too many of those days in a row, you will do something to sabotage it. You will do something because you are literally out of your comfort zone or right at the edge of it around feeling too good, too loved, too supported, too, you know, um, uh, whatever it is, we not only have limits for the negative, but we do for the positive as well. And uh, statistically, this is borne up, I think, very interestingly, with salary studies. They did some uh, uh, recent studies on salaries in America, and with a fairly narrow margin of error, people earn what their parents earned. And, yeah, I know. Think about this. But the idea is that when we were children... The, the sort of general atmosphere of affluence that we were familiar with as children, whether it be you know, living in a mansion or whether it being living in a mobile home, that that kind of set in our ideas of what life is supposed to be like. And so if we get much below that, we'll do whatever's necessary to raise ourselves up. And if we go a little past that, Literally, if we're earning a little too much, if there's a little too much comfort in our life, if things seem too easy, we will actually ratchet it back somehow. Sometimes in very self-destructive ways. We'll lose a, a well-paying job or uh, bypass a bonus or you know whatever is necessary so that once again we're not out of this comfort zone. All right. Well, I can only imagine you're saying, all right, 
I don't like what you're saying today. How do we get out of this comfort zone? Or how can I take some more control in this comfort zone? And the first thing we need to do is to realize that it's not just our physical bodies and it's not just our emotional body, but it's our actual mind, our thoughts, our beliefs. That's what sets up the comfort zone. Now, there is this idea of homeostasis. There is this idea of maybe you want to call it inertia, and if we do nothing, we're going to tend to just, you know, keep being in this comfort zone and rubbing up the edges. Oh, that's too much. Oh, my gosh, that's, do you know what I mean? It's like too hot here, too cold there. I'll be in the middle. And it's true whether it's about relationships, whether it's about money, whether it's about love in our life and joy, doesn't matter. We're going to operate within what's comfortable to us. This is based on our thoughts. And if we do nothing, inertia will tend to just have us bumping around against these different zones. So how do we make this change? We make it using the very law, if you will, the very same spiritual law that's keeping us in it. What's keeping us in it, you know, and and you've probably seen the movie and heard it before, as they say, but it really is the law of attraction. The law of attraction says that upon which we focus our attention increases. And when we get up to the edge of our comfort zone, let's use an example of maybe something like uh, uh, maybe not quite having enough money. I remember um, when I bought my very first house in Portland, I think I was a little on the naive side, or, or perhaps the realtor was maybe a little aggressive on what I could afford. Because I remember clearly the first time I was doing just fine for about four months, and then the bill for the property taxes came. And it was like, oh my God, like I'm doing fine, but, but all the money I come in is basically covering expenses and the mortgage and a few little things. And, you know, here's a $2,000 uh, bill for property taxes. It was like, oh my God. <laughs> and what I felt was that instant feeling about being up against a wall and I don't have enough. There is not enough in my world. And so when we bounce up against the edge of a comfort zone, the natural reaction is focusing on what? That uncomfortable nature, that thing that doesn't feel right, that thing that is outside of our comfort zone. In this particular example, it would be not having enough. Well, the law of attraction simply says if I focus on not having enough, the universe is going to do its darndest to make sure that I don't have enough. So here's the problem with this. It works with any of our comfort zones. Another one might be um, kind of feeling unloved or kind of feeling lonely. All right. So generally, we're in whatever our comfort zone is, whatever relative feeling of loved and, and uh, you know, in good company is. But every now and then, maybe someone that you really care about stops calling. Or maybe one of your social outlets has dried up and gone away, and you're really starting to feel unloved, like your sources of love are drying up. So you're right against that comfort zone of, gosh, I just don't really feel loved anymore. And guess what? That's what we focus on, because that's the edge of the comfort zone. And, And if I'm feeling and thinking, I'm just unloved. There isn't really anyone that cares for me the way I... I mean, what am I doing? I'm saying affirmations, right? I'm actually holding close to me the idea of being unloved. And i got to tell you, it works like a prayer. 
It works like a prayer. So whether it's, uh, whether it's our physical experience of a long-distant runner, whether it's our experience of uh, perhaps emotional pain, whether it's our experience of what's going on in our head, setting these limits, I tell you the advice is the same, and that is we can't focus on this edge. It's the natural thing to focus on because it's what has you up right up against something that's uncomfortable. And, and it's natural to focus on the uncomfortability. But the, the cure to this is to go right past it, just like the advice for the long-distance runners. Instead of focusing on the pain or the exhaustion you're feeling, the advice is focus yourself completely out of that comfort zone and having exactly what you want. Not some interim, you know, kind of middle area where you don't know how it's going to happen and, and it sounds uncomfortable and, you know, ugh. You know, I don't want to have to bust through this wall of uncomfortability. Instead, place yourself well out. Place yourself across the room of it for it. If it's about money, picture yourself being independently wealthy, not just barely making things do. Do you know what I mean? Because it's real hard to move the edge out if that's what you're focusing on. So here the advice is, the spiritual principle is, we're going to focus on that which we want to have more of in our life. So instead of focusing on the pain or the lack, instead of focusing on the limit, we're going to focus on our heart's desire. So if it's love, we're going to imagine for ourselves, we're going to focus on, we're going to picture, if you will, in our mind's eye, the best loving relationship that could ever be had for you. No halfway measures. If it's about um, being supported financially, we're going to imagine ourselves lavishly supported. We're going to put, put that way out there so that there's no, there's no barrier here we're pushing against. In our mind's eye, the, the, all problems are already solved, and we're simply going to feel and imagine ourselves and think of ourselves as living the lives that we want to live. And i got to tell you, God is infinite. If one can attribute any desire to God, it would simply be to give us everything. Now, I don't know that God is uh, something outside of myself or sitting on a cloud or anything like that, but what I do know is that there is an infinity of good in this universe for us. God is infinite. infinite. God has an infinity of love, of joy, of peace, of worldly possessions, of, of support, of joy. You know, it's all there in God. And God is simply waiting for us to accept it. God is simply waiting for us not to come up to this barrier that we have built in our brain and then go, oh, that's a little too much. No, it is simply for us to boldly walk through it. It is for us to simply receive all of the good, all of the love, all of the joy, all of the sweetness of life is ours to receive. Okay, a few tips, all right? This sounds like a pretty picture, right? Now I'm painting the Avalon picture for you, right? And thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. But how do we take the first steps on this journey to Avalon? How do we begin? Because it sounds daunting sometimes, doesn't it? You come up against a wall of something like not having enough money or feeling unloved. Uh, maybe a boss is treating you poorly, whatever it is. And it seems almost, you can kind of go, yeah, that's what perfection looks like, but 
<laughs> like how do I how do I get out of the comfort zone without literally feeling like you're dying? So here here are the advice from the untethered soul. He says, first of all, you need to give up feeling afraid of your limits. Your limits are just thoughts, and to be afraid of our own thoughts is probably a foolish thing. You know, whether you think of Winston Churchill saying the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, or, or whether you think of simply yourself and your own creative power to overturn thoughts of lack and limitation and replace them with something more powerful, however you want to look at it, it is simply knowing that your thoughts, that really is what your wall is, and your thoughts do not have to be fearful. So that's the first step. We give up being afraid of our limits. We give up feeling an almost, um, almost heartfelt need to stay in the safety zone. If we're going to stay always feeling safe, we will never be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish. Because the idea of the safety zone is avoiding everything that's new. Well, I got to tell you, your heart's desire probably is something new for you. (laughs) So to get your heart's desire, by definition, we've got to get out of the safety zone. We got to be able to come up to that edge of our limits and just walk through. The second step that, um, that he says is actually knowing what we want. It's that picture, that, that end-state vision of being fully supported, of being um, marvelously loved, of having the joy and the family or you know, whatever it is that really sings to you, the, the beautiful career, the, the magnificent um, artistic ability, you know, whatever it is, we have to claim it and recognize it and put ourselves in it. It's that, that high vision of being able, even in the midst of running the marathon and being up against the wall and feeling like there's no energy, being able to simply tell yourself, this is a mental thing. I'm not going to allow my mind to trick me into settling for less. I'm going to keep running and even speed up. So similarly in our world of affairs, whether it's going for a job, whether it's interacting with family members, whatever it is, you keep going knowing that the best and the highest is available for you and everyone concerned. And then the third step is simply to begin practicing. Any of these tools that we might learn are very interesting as tools, but if at the end of the day we treat it as kind of a mental exercise and close it up in our little playbook and think, yeah, I should really try that someday. (laughs) Well, today is someday. Today is the day that each of us can claim our birthright. Today is the day that each one of us can begin tapping in to the limitless nature of God, that God that has all the love, all the joy, all the peace, All the abundance of the universe is available for each one of us. And it is only these limits, it is only this desire to stay safe and comfortable and small that is keeping us from them. So we begin to practice this. And what he advises is, you know, you can even start kind of small. Maybe there's a social interaction that you often have with a loved one that does not go so well. And it feels like you come... And he says, anytime you feel like there's something going on in your life where you come up against a wall, whether it's one socially with family members, whether it's a, um, a job that isn't working out right, whether it's a, a salary level, whatever it is, 
He says, come right up to it. Begin it as your practice for simply taking that next step. If fear comes up, let the fear be there and just process it out. Just go with that open heart that we talked about last week. Just recognize that your feeling of that little inkling of fear, that butterfly in the stomach, that this is caused in your own mind, and it's not going to kill you. You can feel the feeling and take yet another step. You can begin imagining the positive outcome that you want, whether it's the, the better job, the perfect relationship. You just simply begin taking steps until you are well outside of that comfort zone. And what I, w- what I will tell you is that that's how we grow this thing called the comfort zone. That is how it keeps from getting smaller, but instead expands to include more love, more availability of money and good jobs. It, it expands further to include a greater degree of peace and, and sweetness in your life. Whatever it is that your heart's soul is craving, we need to bust out of this comfort zone. And to do that may be uncomfortable, but the uncomfortability, like so much of our limits, is simply in our mind. And if we're willing just to see it through a little bit, take a couple steps through that uncomfortability, you know, make the phone call, ask for the raise, go on the job interview, um, you know, go to the singles club, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is that's keeping you back locked up in your cage and feeling whatever negativity you're feeling, we need to take the step. So just to review very, very briefly, it's we give up afraid of being, um, being stuck in that zone. We're okay with coming up right to the edge of it and taking another step. We have that mental image, that mental equivalent, if you will, of what you really want to experience, the, the biggest and the best, well outside of that zone, so that you can see, oh my gosh, why am I stopped here when it could be like that? We focus our attention on this mental image of life as being good, as being sweet, as being supportive, and then we begin to practice this tool. So the next time that uncomfortability rises up in you, instead of backing up, instead of, well, I just won't take that call. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Have you ever had the phone ring, and especially, I guess, now that we have caller ID, and you can kind of see who it is. Have you ever gone up to the phone, saw the caller ID, and went, not today? Then you know what I'm talking about, coming up to a comfort zone and being unwilling to actually look at it and deal with it. So let's say this is our new day, shall we? Shall we say that we're willing to take a few steps beyond our comfort zone in whichever direction it takes us, knowing that the fear will not harm us, knowing that life only gets better as we're able to expand what we're comfortable in. Think about your own life if all fear were dispersed, if every phone call that came in was no big deal, or perhaps even better than that, that every phone call came in was someone to speak love to you. What if every piece... No, really. And what if every piece of mail that came into your mailbox every day when the, post, uh, the postal employee delivers it, what if it was always a check? 
These are the mental equivalents that will allow you to bust through these walls. And when we focus on the wall, we're going to get more of the wall. And when we focus on what's beyond it, that's what gives us the chance to move this wall out further. So I'm going to close with a a quote from this lovely book and a prayer. Here's what he says about limits. The true meaning of spirituality means going past where you are. It means not staying in your current state. Limitations and boundaries only exist when you stop going forward. The sense of restricted self must be overcome. So let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is this thing called life itself. And what I know about life, it is completely abundant. It is an infinity of good, of life, of joy, of peace, of monetary uh, means. The universe is limitless. God is limitless. And as that is true in general, I know without question that it's true for myself, that my own life always has all of the love, all of the peace, all of the joy, all of the comfort, whatever it is that I need and choose to experience is here without limit. And as it is true for me, I know it's true for each person in this room. Each person here has the birthright of part of the one mind to have their every wish fulfilled. Each person here is part of that infinity and has, is an heir to 100% of the good, of the joy, of the peace, and the love. And so for each person here, I know there is that ability to have a greater sense of where our current limits are and to simply walk through them fearlessly, to simply deny any self-imposed or even subconscious limitations and lacks, and to move forward in joy. I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful to recognize that each person here is in charge of their own will. Each person here is in charge of receiving the good and the great. And so I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here today.